Hello, friend. Hello, friend. That's lame. Maybe I should give you a name. Maybe I should give you a name. What I'm about to tell you is top secret. The Coffee Clash Podcast. Welcome to the Coffee Clatch crew, Mr. Robot Instant Coffee episode. I'm Jason. I'm Christina. And today we're giving you our instant take on episode 3.0, Power Saver Mode. As always, written and directed by Sam Asmail. The power user. Okay, so we just watched the show. It's super late here. We're going to give you our first impressions. We're not going to go through the scenes. We'll do that in our full episode in a few days. We'll go over the characters a little bit and just touch upon what we just saw. Overall thoughts and reactions and the major plot points, kind of a quick check-in. In the full review, we're going to break down what does the title mean, the extension, music notes we found, fun facts, and the full synopsis. So much happened, just like every episode... And Mr. Robot. Oh my God, our hands are hurting from taking notes. (laughs) We're probably going to make a few mistakes and we're going to miss some things, but we'll definitely get most of it in our full review. If you're new here, welcome new Clatcher. Be sure to check out our older Mr. Robot episodes and our other shows, Westworld, Game of Thrones, The Magicians, Sherlock, and on and on. Welcome to the family. And if you're just trying to catch up quick for this season on Mr. Robot, I would recommend two of our episodes. The season two bonus, where we recap everything that happened last season, and the season three prepper that we just recently released that brings you up to speed and gives you theories and predictions for season three. But let's start out with our overall thoughts. What did you think about episode 3.0, Jason? Well, it's been over a year since we saw Mr. Robot, and Sam Asmel wanted to make sure that he throws us right back into the psyche of this world, and I think he did an amazing job. Right down to before the show even started, 10 minutes before, they did a little quick commercial about Mr. Robot while John Wick was on before the show, and that clip was so intense, it made me all robot stressed already, and then it just continued into the episode. I thought this was really great because it was everything they were promising leading up to the start of this season, that it would be a return to form in certain ways to season one. We would have a lot of plot progression and things moving very quickly, but we would also have the continuing struggle between Elliot and Mr. Robot and what's going on in his psyche. And I couldn't imagine how they were going to pack all of that into one episode, but I think they did a brilliant job with it. I also really liked the introduction of our new character, Irving. Yeah. I thought he was great. I definitely foresee him getting some awards this year, and it's only been one episode. I just, first of all, I already said in the prepper, I love this actor, Bobby Cannavale, and he shined already. He certainly did. I mean, he opened up the episode, but let's not forget also, Angela's performance was phenomenal, Portia Doubleday, I should say. I thought she had some of her best acting this season in the episodes later on, and I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah, I mean, the juxtaposition between season two, where we felt like she was lost, making mistakes, really drowning in the middle of the enemy, to now, I feel like she's playing Elliot. She's a double agent. She's on Mr. Robot's side, but has Elliot's trust. But is she really on Mr. Robot's side? They still have you questioning her right down to the end. And I love how she's playing off him and telling him, I really don't like you. I don't trust you either. Basically, she is still in it for Elliot, is what it sounds like to me. Yeah. 
But the way Esmail described her this season was that we would continue to question that she's going to play that fine line. And I think she did a great job with it. I think she's in it for herself and to get back at E-Corp for her parents. I think she loves Elliot, but Mr. Robot is the one that is in control, obviously, and that has the plan that she wants. That may be true, but she herself says that she didn't buy into this even after she heard about Elliot or Mr. Robot's crazy plan. It wasn't until she met White Rose and she opened her eyes that she came over to this way of thinking, and that's going to be another question we'll explore, I'm sure, as the entire season goes on. The big question mark remains, what is White Rose's plan? What in Mm -hmm. the heck is she talking about? There's so much to discuss. Let's just get right into it. Well, real quick, Sam Esmail, you already touched upon it, has brought up the questions that we've all had, the theories that we have. Is it time travel? Kind of winking at us with that by what Angela says to Elliot later on in the episode, but not answering it, just saying, remember this question? Well, you're going to still continue asking that. And then the way we fade away from White Rose into the title sequence, into Elliot's eyeball and out of there. Again, Sam Esmail saying, is this all in Elliot's head? I don't know. So we get our introduction to Irving to start off the episode in the red wheelbarrow. Fittingly enough, we've come back to this location. It's going to play a central role throughout the episode. You're not really too sure how to feel about him. (laughs) Really all the way through. I mean, he's really straight faced. He's down to business. He has a job to do. He's getting these instructions that we don't really know what it's about. But it seems like his was the first phone call. From Tyrell, freaking out that (laughs) Elliot could be dying. He has to get there to save him. And his instructions are to go get Angela Moss. So that kind of clears up what happened immediately after Elliot got shot. But every time we answer a question, we bring up five more. Because we learned that they had him for six days. He was unconscious. And he wasn't delivered to Angela's house until yesterday. So where was he for those six days? What was happening during that time? And we will definitely dissect all those scenes in our full review. But one thing that I thought was so fitting is the whole red wheelbarrow barbecue joint, something that's been hinted at from season two with the menu being delivered to Elliot and the guy in the elevator in season two that was eating from a red wheelbarrow bag to this barbecue joint. We finally get to see it. And it's exactly what the pop-up shop looked like in LA during the Comic-Con. It was so cool. Another Comic-Con I wish we were a part of. Right next door to that during the Comic-Con was the E-Corp Bank pop-up. And from there, fans could go into the bank, open an account, and they would get a card, a bank card. And then they can use the money on that bank card next door at the barbecue joint to eat some food. So Elliot puts it together later that Irving is the guy that left him the menu from this place. And it's not until much later on in the episode we find out he's been working for White Rose in the Dark Army. So how long has she been onto this? How many places do her arms extend? Is she really just in control of everything? Right down to Elliot's hack and the things he's done, is that only because she's allowed it to happen because she thinks it's part of a greater plan? That's what it seems like to me. She always knows what's going on. And that might be why she only has five minutes per session with anybody because she has to be everywhere at once. I mean, we very quickly go over to her, talking to one of her people. I'm not sure who this new guy is, but he wants permission to run stage two. And she starts telling him all these really cryptic things about how Elliot's father used to work for them 
on this project, unknown to him. And he was essential to their success. And essentially, it seems she feels the same way about Elliot. It's no coincidence that he's there. He's necessary to this mission. And after he completes his work, he can die for them just like his father. What in the hell does that mean? Well, it means White Rose isn't on our side. That's what I thought, except apparently she's presenting all of these really amazing possibilities to Angela about what could be that seem to have converted her. This is a chance to undo everything. And the scene with White Rose comes right on the heels of this weird scene at a nuclear power plant, an E-Corp power plant, where this operator is telling them, the greatest unsolved mystery... Do we see reality as it is? If I close my eyes and imagine that everything we experience, see, think, and do is unfolding simultaneously in a parallel universe. And if so, how many copies of ourselves exist and might our mental states be conjoined for better or for worse? So all of the speculating we were doing last season about time travel or parallel universes or changing things... I mean, is this just Esmail playing with us, or are they actually indicating this is something that's going on right now? Well, White Rose did allude to this in season two when she was talking to Angela, and now it's just reinforcing it. And, you know, this is a theory that's been around for a while. You know, there's an infinite amount of us. There's an infinite amount of possibilities. There's an infinite amount of us podcasting right now. (laughs) (laughs) And so I can hear the listeners getting frustrated already. We're already bringing up wild and crazy theories, but I don't think it's so out of the realm of possibility when you have multiple characters saying it to you in episode one of this new season. I mean, might our mental states have these copies that are conjoined? Isn't that, in effect, what we're seeing with Elliot and Mr. Robot? These parallel realities, they even call it a unique condition later on. We're talking about his mental illness, quote unquote, in a way we never have before. So what does that mean? If we break that down, so I don't keep saying the word infinite, we'll say multiple, okay? So if there's multiple us's in multiple universes doing the same thing, but there's also multiple of us's doing different things, right? So is it possible you ever fall asleep and then you wake up in the morning and your neck is just messed up for no reason? Mm-hmm. Is that because one of you like got into a car accident or <laughs> fell Who's and you're linked up crazy? and you're like, why the hell is my <laughs> neck all messed up this morning? Or you wake up just pissed off for no reason. Maybe one of you had a bad day. I don't know, but it is a little weird that we're seeing Mr. Robot apparently now comes out like clockwork at night to the point that Angela knew to tell Elliot to stay over because yeah. in the middle of the night she would wake up and it would be Mr. Robot in control. I guess that was part of the plan. Mr. Robot realized that Elliot needs to feel like he is rid of Mr. Robot, and the only times to come out is at night. It seems like Mr. Robot really has everything in control. He used to fight for control with Elliot, but now he's even got a way where when Elliot's in control, he doesn't even feel Mr. Robot being there anymore, giving him a false sense of security. Yeah, and it seems like that in the scene we see with Elliot until he realizes he was actually shot and none of these things he was starting to believe are true. He's not the one in control. He says, and like that, my power's gone too. So he realizes that Mr. Robot's still taking over. Tyrell is not an entity within himself that he can control. And he also realizes later on he's not buying it that stage two has been called off. Even he knows that's not true. 
Okay, so one thing, one minor gripe, but I'm glad they did it because I'd rather have Elliot walking around. It's been six days. He's been shot in the stomach and he's already able to stay up all night, walk around, do everything he needs to do, sit down, stand up with no pain. Okay, I can give you two explanations. One, if you go to our wild and crazy universe, it's the parallel Elliot that got shot or something like that is going on. But more likely, he says he was unconscious for six days and we heard Irving say something over the phone about his guys are going to take him. He's going straight to surgery. Yeah, but still. So they... Took the bullet out. And they also say later he managed to miss every major organ and vital point, Tyrell, when he shot him. So I guess that was enough time to get him back into working condition. It's a stretch, but I'm willing to go with it. Let's talk about the property of Josh Groban shirt. Classic. Yeah, we're going to get more into the stuff with Darlene in our full review. It kind of felt a little bit like a sidebar because, as you said, it feels like she's on the outside. She doesn't really know what's going on. She doesn't know what stage two is. Oh, for sure. And I didn't know that she didn't know what stage two was. In season two, it felt like Darlene was the one in control of F Society. She knew what was going on. She was in command. She was pushing Elliot's agenda forward. And now it looks like season three, it's going to be Angela, who's pushing Mr. Robot's agenda forward. And Darlene is going to be on the outskirts, actually being pushed away by Elliot. Yeah, I think she kind of was in season two. She just didn't know it. It feels like the whole point was to link her up with Angela so that they could get this femtocell in place. And Elliot kind of reminds us of how that went step by step, just in case we forgot that the point wasn't just to hack the FBI. It was to get this backdoor access to the UPSs in that building and destroy their recovery program, their paper backups to everything by blowing it up. When Elliot's piecing this together for Darlene, though, he is very insistent, this wasn't me. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go along with this plan. This is why he wants to call off stage two so badly. He knows it's White Rose he needs to get in contact with to tell her, I want confirmation that this is done. But what's more interesting than that, he's realizing for the first time the magnitude of what he's done with this entire operation. I love the speech that he has to himself, where it seems he never really left the red wheelbarrow, but he's thinking about walking around the city and seeing these wall of memoriam posters, and he's giving us a tirade about what he's done to the world, really, to the country. It mirrors what we were saying, the fact that what Elliot did didn't help the people. It actually hindered them more. It didn't take down the 1%. It made them stronger because the people are in more disarray. His speech was beautiful. And them bringing up Trump and the way they worked it all in, Sam Esmail is a genius. Let me just give you a part of that speech. What if instead of fighting back, we cave? Give away our privacy for security. Exchange dignity for safety. Trade in revolution for repression. What if we choose weakness over strength? They'll even have us build our own prison. And with that sentence, they showed us building that wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Trump the split wants. cut. This is what they want all along, for us to buy in on our worst selves. And I just made it easier for them. I didn't start a revolution. I just made us docile enough for their slaughtering. Yeah, he realizes he reset society to zero. And as we said, there was no plan for what comes after that. And there was no factoring in that maybe E-Corp, the government, whoever else, to some extent wanted this to happen. 
or at least had the foresight to see where it was going and how they could capitalize on it, which is what they're doing. And Elliot's starting to realize that he can't run into his shell and blame everyone else. He can't blame the big, bad, evil corp, the FBI. They might all have a part in it, but really it's him. He says, I am the problem. And I wonder if that's kind of the first step towards him accepting it. We talked a lot about the psychology of Elliot, and we'll get deeper into that next time. But perhaps if it is just straight psychology we're looking at, and the reason that he keeps separating Mr. Robot from Elliot is because he can't deal with the things he's able to do as Mr. Robot. These extreme actions, the way he's able to take charge, he won't allow himself to integrate that. But we always kind of said, what if he did? What if he started to accept those pieces? Could he bring him back into the fold of Elliot? Well, you know, in the club scenes and throughout the episode until towards the end, I even have in my notes that Elliot seemed very in control. Instead of trying to hide or scared of what's going on and trying to figure out what's going on, being just lost, he felt like he was, it felt like he was taking control of the situation. He knew he had to fix it and what he wanted to do, and he had a lot of ambition in his steps. So I even wrote that it was almost a mix of Robot and Elliot right there. That's the Elliot that we think is inside. Yeah, he goes so far as to tell Angela he wants her to get him a job at E-Corp. He needs to fix this now, and the only way he can do it is from the inside. And remarkably, it looks like she's going to try to do that. I don't know if this is just to keep an eye on him or if she's actually going to utilize him. But it does seem he has control right up until his interaction with her, Mm -hmm. where he tries to kiss her and she pulls away. We find out the meaning of the title here. He says this is what she does. She doesn't love people who love her. She loves the people who don't. This is her power saver mode. So I expected her to just shut down and she almost did. But instead, that's when she comes back with the question, what if we could make it like none of this ever happened? Not just the 5-9 hack, but... All the way back to the beginning to what happened to our parents. What if we could take it all back? And that's what I mean. What, if we're not talking about time travel and parallel universes, how do you explain a sentence like that? I don't know. Sam Esmail's messing with us. And the, the look on her face, we can say to ourselves, is she cracking up? Or is this something that White Rose told her that she's now aware of? What's going on? And, and it's very intriguing. Again, it mirrors the end of season two with Trenton and Mobley when they were talking about reversing it with the key and then Leon comes in, do you have the time? Right, and on the surface it seemed like it was the key to the hack and reversing 5-9, but this comes off the episode then where Angela was talking to White Rose and she told her about having the key (laughs) in the sense of the key to everything. So that parallel is definitely there. In addition, every time they talk about Elliot and Angela's parents, they talk about them having made a sacrifice so that this could happen. Not just that they accidentally got poisoned from a leak at a power plant and died, but they willingly sacrificed themselves. And that's something we don't understand why, but Angela reflects on that here when she says, if you could take it all back, what would you be willing to sacrifice to do that? And just legit take it back. Like, your our parents aren't even sick. I, I just... I really want to know what the hell she was talking about. And that's what made me feel like a great part of her is still on Elliot's side. And she, in her heart, really wants that to happen, to be able to undo the injustice that happened to both of them and somehow make 
the world a better place again? You know, is that innocent, naive part of Angela still in there behind the facade she puts on now? We saw so much emotion in these past couple of scenes happening with her. All right, I'm going to lose you real quick. Back to the crazy theorizing. If we go back to the theory that Elliot is in a coma as a child from when he fell out the window, could this be his subconscious? Like, we can turn back all of this. If you just wake up, mom and dad are still there. Your best friend's parents are still there. This could all end. I mean, there's definitely a world where that's true, a Mr. Robot world where that's true. I just don't think that's the kind of story Sam Esmail wants to tell. But I'm also very remiss to say he's telling a story about parallel universes and time travel. So I'm having difficulty reconciling where the middle ground stands with something like that. I mean, it's a mind-blowing statement that she ends her little speech to Mr. Robot with. That it wasn't until she met White Rose that she finally opened my eyes and I could see how all of the damage they've caused could be undone. When we succeed, a whole new world will be born. And then the power comes back on. I know. What does that mean? I mean, this is just insane. Asmel's taking us on a journey. I also think it's really critical that we come back to stress the point that Angela has been assigned to Elliot to keep an eye on him by both White Rose and the Dark Army so that she makes sure he doesn't do anything crazy and continues to push Elliot, you know, to make sure that... Mr. Robot can kind of keep the plan running. But also she made the promise to Elliot yeah. that she would look out for when Mr. Robot surfaces. And she can always tell. She seems to be the only one that consistently knows when it's Mr. Robot. And she says that's because of his eyes. When it's Mr. Robot, he never turns and looks away. Because Mr. Robot is very confident. Whose side are you on? Robot or Elliot's? That's a difficult question because for a long time I was on Elliot's. Now I feel like I'm on neither <laughs> because as much as Elliot realizes he's done wrong, he still doesn't seem to have a very good plan for how you would restore order. I'm not hearing a very good plan from either side about what comes next, but that could just be because we're not privy to that information. It feels like the only one with the master plan is White Rose. Yeah. And of course, we have no idea what she's up to. Uh, it was a very brief appearance for Tyrell after waiting so long in season two to see him, only for him to come in in the finale and shoot Elliot. He was so shook. He was basically here to just apologize very quickly to Mr. Robot that he thought he was dismantling the project and now they're back on track. But we know that's going to come into play and we know we're going to see Joanna again very soon because there was a couple of question marks on my mind. Several characters that we didn't see this episode. Joanna was one of them. None of the FBI. Right. No Dom. No Philip Price. And we still have yet to meet one of our new characters, Dom's FBI partner. Yeah, played by Rizwan Manji. I mean, this is the tip of the sword. We're going to go on such a ride this season. Oh, and Trenton and Mobley and Leon. That's right. Yep. Wherever they're at. So there's, there's still a lot of loose ends to come back around to. I feel just as shook as Tyrell feels. Again, Sam messed with our minds with time, the things we already talked about in regards to time. But also when Elliot goes on that walk in his brain and gives us that speech, he was sitting in the red wheelbarrow until it was closed. Yeah, so he was there the whole time. A lot of hours. I know it was already nighttime when they went in there, but <laughs> man, he was sitting there for a while. Yeah. This episode was so artsy, and we'll go into it further later this week, but just to touch upon it, 
a lot of segments that were either like like a little cute but very artsy, like when he mutes the whole surrounding. Yes. I thought that was so cool. And then instead of just unmuting it, he, he clicks it back on when Darlene is talking to him. And I thought it was funny because the icon, the mute icon or speaker icon was a Mac icon. And he never uses a Mac. He always uses a PC. It might be because aesthetically, the Mac icon for sound is way nicer than a PC's. But uh, that was really fun. And I kind of giggled at that. And then the whole club scene, that was all done in one shot, one film shot. So they had to do that whole scene without a break, without a cut. And the way they did it with the colors, the green background and the stark white and black monitor. But we'll definitely get into that further. Well, even just the fact that all of the scenes were very dark, some of them to the point where you couldn't hardly see anything. And that created a great sense of realism because the power was supposed to be out. This is how people are living. So they're thrusting you into what that's actually like. And I loved the juxtaposition when he walks downstairs into the hacker club and there's just so much electricity, (laughs) lights on. He's like, I can't believe this is happening while we're in the middle of an energy crisis. There was a lot of good music and scoring stuff happening too. So I want to do some research and find out exactly what that was. I'm thinking of the scoring that builds so much anxiety until Elliot opens the door and it's Darlene. Yeah. That's there and a lot of other great moments such as that. Oh yeah. For this show, we always break down the score because it's well worth it. So I don't know if we actually summarized anything or just brought up tons of questions mm-hmm. that we have to come back to and wild and crazy theories we were trying to stay away from, but don't blame us. It's Esmail. Yes. He put all of this in there. He wants us to think about it. We would also love to hear your thoughts too, though, and talk about that in addition to the other information we have for the full episode review later this week. So be sure to write in with any of your comments, Easter eggs you may have found and theories for what may be in store this season three. You can go to our website, coffeeclatchcrew.com, and just click on contact and use that form or email us, contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com. And if you want to interact, we would love if you guys took part in our poll that we're going to do weekly, the same way we did with Game of Thrones, where we vote for our most valuable character for the episode. In Mr. Robot, we call it MVH, Most Valuable Hacker. So Jason, we have the nominations already set for this episode, right? That's right. Just go to Twitter at CKC Podcast. Follow us there right now. We have a poll up for 24 hours to vote for your MVH. You have three choices. Number one, Elliot. Number two, Irving. And number three, Angela. Now the Elliot could be Elliot slash Mr. Robot, if you wish. Yeah, that's going to get really complicated as we move along. So I guess... Just write in the comment if you want Mr. Robot. Full disclosure, I put it up. Because I wanted to get it right on, to, right away up on there so we can come up and uh, podcast. There were still two scenes left in the episode and we thought it was over. I was actually thinking Elliot, Elliot himself though, when I made that suggestion, yeah, not Mr. Robot. Well, we, for, at that point we hadn't seen Mr. Robot. Yeah. And for everything he was trying to psychologically accomplish. So maybe if we mean both moving forward, we'll do a little slash. And if we mean one or the other, we'll just put one name. For sure. And we've also already discussed our top three questions to be answered coming out of the episode, which is something unique to our Mr. Robot podcast. But to reiterate, number one, how do you reverse everything? And what would Elliot need to sacrifice in order to do that? Number two, what does caving and choosing weakness mean? So what is Elliot's plan if they do stop the hack? 
And number three, what does White Rose mean when she says Elliot can die for them the same way his father did? So if you have any thoughts specifically on those three questions, we want to hear what you guys think. All right, so that concludes our Instant Coffee episode. In a couple days, we'll have our full review. We're going to go way deeper. We're going to talk about the Shodan.io website that Mr. Robot went on. We're going to go into deeper into the psyche of all of our characters, break down each scene. Darlene's panic attack, what was going on in the hacker space. Definitely be a lot more information-based, more research to be done for that one. And what we need you to do is spread the virus. Let all your friends who watch Mr. Robot know about the CKC podcast and have them listen along with us. We can go on a ride together for this whole season. Hack them on Twitter and Facebook until they're <laughs> brainwashed into CKC. It's really great to be back with you guys and to be back with Mr. Robot. Till next time, this round's on me. This round is on me. Please hang up and try again.